How's it going? How you doing four weeks in? Uh, I feel like I have died partially, but um, hey, other than that, I'm great. Honestly, it's crazy to think we've done this four weeks, and since we started, there's been two high-profile black men that have been killed by police. There's a lot that's happened in four weeks. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm scared, man. That's how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, don't get pulled over by the police. (laughs) (laughs) Don't break break the law. Don't break the law, and you'll be fine. Tyler is grooming his beard right now. It's pretty kind of gross. That's right. That sound is Tyler combing his beard like uh, (laughs) like a black poodle. <laughs> strapped to his face. It's a black man. A man. beautiful, a, a beautiful black poodle. A beautiful black poodle. <laughs> I agree. I agree. The beard is beautiful. It covers up your ugly like face. A sh- like a show poodle. Like <laughs> a show. show. <laughs> you need it though. You need kind of to protect us from that ugly face of yours. That was borderline racist. Well, some of us can grow facial hair, and some of us can't. True. I can't. So. Well, neither I'm, one of you can actually. I'm patchy. Like I got this. I got a sl- uh, slave facial hair. Have you noticed? Like every slave movie, the, their facial hair is like real spotty or yeah. beady beady. That's what we call it in the hood. Beady beads. <laughs> they just look like little balls of something. <laughs> Dyed <Don> cotton. <laughs> I look like Anthony Hamilton for all you guys who know Anthony. I'm Hamilton. refraining from making a little balls comment. Which I just that's made. good. I that's good. Is that what we're by refraining? By refraining, I just made it. Good. Let me preview today's show. We'll start with a rewind of last show. We'll then go to our mailbag. We're going to talk about our trending topic, which is the death of Keith Lamont Scott in Charlotte. Topic of the day today, which hopefully we'll actually get to this time: how the hood <laughs> became the hood. We will possibly finish with a Black Superman interview. And a preview of next week's topic is talking about this quote that we don't have a race problem, we have a sin problem, and Jesus is the answer. And we'll talk about that next week. Last episode. You know what got me last episode? I know Tyler doesn't listen. I do. Uh, Maybe Tyler will someday (laughs) stop big-timing us and actually listen to our own podcast. Right. The first segment was terrible. Of us trying to get Tyler to wear his headphones. I thought it was awesome. All right. What'd you think, Tyler? I had someone sample that was the podcast, and they said they had to well, skip uh, because it, it, we talked about the we talked about the post office too much. They said. I don't blame them. Shout out to Restore Church. Right. Yeah. That should have that should have been edited out, but uh, I, bl- I, I won't blame, blame Kyle. No, that's my. I fault. won't blame Kyle. I, Thank I, you. I blame you. I take Thank that. you. I take that team. 
Thank you. I said, let's keep and, it. Uh, It'll be good. Tyler and Kyle are funny. And it's, it turns out you're not funny. The so person, it, it, it bombed. The person that previewed that uh, the, the podcast, were they white? No. I have black friends. Besides oh, really? I don't you and Tyler. Oh, really? Strike that from the record. That, yes. is, not a, that is not an accurate statement. The solution <laughs> to solving racism is... Go get a black friend. I want to know who this black white. friend is. Now let's, uh, they will <laughs> re- remain anonymous. Tyler and I do he not pays. count. He pays us. That's all I do. I do. I oh. pay black people to be my friends. So that explains the Craigslist posts for in need of a black friend to listen to this podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we'll I'm pay. <laughs> Any other thoughts on last week's show? I think you were... I think you were wrong for the way you did Black Superman. I, you know, I he, mean, he was drunk. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but the, the way you cut him off, man, now that I listen back to it, it was it was pretty terrible. Shouldn't have done that. He was talking well, about trash on Twitter this week about me. I'm going to confront him on that. Yeah. But you got you got to be careful confronting somebody with powers, especially a black guy with powers. I got power, too. Well, he has white privilege. White privilege. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> white privilege. Yeah. The greatest power of all. All the white people just stopped listening. It's okay, oh, white brothers that. and sisters. I'm still here. I've got your back. Don't <laughs> That's worry. Right. Don't worry. That's Stay. right. Stay. Listen. Don't, don't unsubscribe. Stay and listen. We're because good. if you don't listen, then there will be a federal investigation. <laughs> Me and Tyler, <laughs> Tyler and I, uh, terrorists. I'm going straight. I'm going straight to Jesse Jackson. <laughs> I like Jesse. He's Do a you? fellow preacher like us. To- oh, please stop. <laughs> Didn't he call Obama the N word? <laughs> like, yeah. On live TV. Uh, how about he said we- he wanted to. He want. He wanted to cut his testicles off before he uh, got elected. Remember that. <laughs> what? Remember he said he wanted to do that. <laughs> no. Jesse. No. Come on. No Jesse. real talk. He said he, he said he said that. Wow. Anyway. It's awesome. Hey. Well, America. Awesome uh, one word for it, but okay. Um, <laughs> how about we get to our mailbag? Let's do it. Yeah, please. Mail time. That's what I'm talking All about. right. So we got two pieces of mail today. All right. And uh, the first one we're going to read from Justin Case. <laughs> Justin Case. Yes. Yeah, so not just, his real name. It is his real name. No, it's not. It is. Hey, producer, how do people email us? So you can email us by sending your email to chopping it up podcast at gmail.com. We are sponsored by Gmail, by the way. No, we're not. <laughs> we're sponsored by. Um, Leo's Liquor Store on Seven Mile and Schaefer. <laughs> if you tell them we sent you, you buy one forty ounce, get the second one free. And Lee's Beauty Supply. <laughs> All right. So Justin K says, "Okay, I wasn't going to hit you guys up two weeks in a row because yeah, that'd make me like a groupie." He, that's a, he is like a groupie. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. You're sad, sad. sad <laughs> I'm not ready to go there yet. First thing. Case isn't my last name. Boom. It's Kaspersky. I hope I said that right. He's Polish, like me. We're brothers. Pierogies. Sorry about that. But most of the time, people can't pronounce it right. And half the time, they make fun of it. So I went with Case for the email address. 
when you're high on Jesus, it makes more sense. Hey, at least you guys didn't make fun of my name during the podcast. I have that going for me. Speaking of Tyler, is this name really St. Cloud? Wasn't that the name of the chick flick? Charlie St. Cloud? About the white guy? Come on now. That's a bad joke. Seriously, I love this podcast. I'm a suburban white guy like Noah, living at least an hour. Stop adding (laughs) the emails. Stop embellishing the text. Read the text. Do not add to the text. I'm living at least an hour from anything that could be called inner city. The black guys I know are (laughs) are from the suburbs or from school. The closest I've been to anything inner city was while I was at a conference in Baltimore. During the downtime, instead of hitting the harbor, I drove around and hit the section that was like a ghost town. Street after street of boarded up two-story walk-ups with occasionally one that had windows and curtains and and a painted front door that looked like someone lived in. There was no trees or grass and the whole place was like, how is anyone living a life here? I've been arrested a couple of times and spent the night in jail, but I deserved it. And can't say that I ever felt like my life was in danger from the cops. I'm having a hard time imagining what it would be like to wake up every day with that fear. Expecting the worst and to run in with cops. So thanks, guys, for the podcast. I have a question, and I hope it doesn't sound ignorant. There's been injustice built into America since it has been here in ways that I'll never know as a white guy. I still don't know. Without excusing it or trying to cast it in a good light, I'm wondering if having to live in a place without real rights, but with real discrimination, has made your walk as a Christian deeper with Jesus. If it was me, I think I'd probably be both angrier and more discouraged, or I'll need more faith. Just to let you know, no way I'm emailing three three weeks in a row. Keep up the good work. Justin. Tyler, what are you doing over on the other end of your line in Detroit? You are so loud. You're like a zoo animal. We can actually cut Going that out. Going to the bathroom. We can cut that out. Cut that out! <laughs> What'd you do? You go take a dump and take the mic with you? Uh, Actually, yes, I did. <laughs> no. He had to handle some black things. We need to respond to that email. Did, did you even hear any of that email? You had your headphones on, so you heard it while you were pooping. I'm a suburban white guy, and uh, this is the best podcast ever. Thanks, you. Right. And uh, something about Noah uh, being a terrible person. <laughs> and um, right. something like that. That's what I heard. That's what Good. I gathered. Yeah, that was it. Sorry. You got I, it. I, I, I had to step away for a minute. Please, please, please forgive me. Kyle, I ask that you forgive me. I'm not forgiving you. All right, a couple comments on Justin's email. Don't be ashamed of your Polish name, first of all, Justin. We got to stick together, brother. That's right. All right. Um, You know, there's a lot of white people that are ignorant, and that's okay. I was talking to one of you guys about this recently uh, where every white person is ignorant. I mean, we, we didn't grow up. Very, very few exceptions. We didn't grow up in the hood. We didn't grow up in black culture. Uh, we grew up very isolated, very sheltered from these things. So the question is, when 
we, when a white person is, is confronted or approached with racial injustice, and they're given an opportunity to learn. And honestly, that's what we want this podcast to be, is an opportunity to learn. There's many other ways to, to learn as well. We can either be arrogant and prideful and act like we know everything, so I can act like I know what it's like to be black in America, or I can take the position of a learner and, be, and gain wisdom and understanding and allow that to humble me. That doesn't have to be a shameful thing. We don't have to feel guilty and shameful. Just become a learner, and Justin's doing that, which is awesome. And that is what I encourage others listening to do as well. That happened for me starting in 2008 when I read the book Divided by Faith by Emerson and Smith. And it just continues to this day. So, Justin, you're on the right path. And we just appreciate you listening. We appreciate your questions. And, um, yeah. Yeah, man. As much as we joke, man, like, honestly, um, you give hope to to a lot of the – to the black culture, to the black people who, who really just want people to hear hear us out on these issues. And, um, you know, you, you encouraged me because you didn't just uh, count w- what we talk about as insignificant or false, but you're open to just hearing what's going on. So, oh, <laughs> and I, I want to re-emphasize uh, um, this last line that... I, I, I really enjoy it from you, Justin. You said, I'm wondering if having to live in a place without real rights, but with real discrimination has made your walk as a Christian deeper with Jesus. If it was me, I think I'll probably get both angrier and more discouraged or I'll need faith more. What do you think about that, Tyler? Well, I mean, if you look at... Um, I can't remember who said it, but they said something along the lines of um, going all the way back to slavery. The fact that anybody um, black and anybody of African descent ended up being Christians actually was proof, <laughs> was actually an apologetic for the gospel. The fact that these um, people who were being tortured, beaten, actually in a lot of ways received um, the God of their masters and truly and truly had deep faith and truly went on to be uh, theologians and plant churches and write poetry. And you, you have Phyllis Wheatley and many, many others who talked about um, the injustices that they received and um, the injustices that they were a part of, but, <clears throat> but still finding Christ in the midst of that. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's a testament to the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. What about for you personally, Tyler? Has there been times you've been, you know, angry to the point that it's it's kind of messed up your faith with Christ? N- no, not really. Um, well, young when I was uh, younger, around twelve, thirteen, I actually felt a real strong pull to the nation of Islam mm-hmm. um, because the Jesus that I, that was being presented presented at my church. Um, literally, if, if you go to my church right now, um, the church that I grew up in, they still have a picture of the blonde, blue-eyed, very effeminate-looking Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted no parts of that because um, I was already starting to experience things as a young black man in this country. 
um, even at, at 12 and 13. So, um, and I saw a real strength in the manhood in the community emphasis of the nation of Islam. So, um, and I grew up in church. So then I felt a real, um, uh, I felt like I was marginalized by the church. Like I just wasn't a place for me. This Jesus that I was hearing about and this Jesus that I was seeing, um, was the, was the, uh, God of the people who perpetrated these atrocities against my people. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when, when I was, um, preteen and teen i felt that way but uh, not not as a uh adult believer um for some reason it, i don't it, it just hasn't uh affected my faith i think part of it is um i'm hearing more and more um uh pastors and and, and people of faith talk about this this post-traumatic stress of growing up black and in the inner city so i, I think a lot of it you just get numb to it mm-hmm. honestly so it just really doesn't um affect my belief in Christ. It's kind of two isolated things to me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <clears throat> Thank you, Justin, for that awesome email, brother. We look forward to more emails from you. And then we have another one. Oh, man, from Curtis Wright? Mm, I know Curtis him. Curtis Wright. I think he's a... I know him. You, do you? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, he's Curtis Wright. <laughs> he was on American Idol. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He did. He tried out in, in Pittsburgh. He did almost, he? He almost made it. Did he? Simon cut him. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Wow. You didn't know that about our brother. I didn't know that. I would yeah. love to see the video. Mm-hmm. My hitter, my hitter. <laughs> so Kurt writes in, he says, In your second episode, you read a letter from a listener who wrote that the breakdown of black families Why is the reason. Why are you talking like that? How Kurt talks? You sound like a no, Kurt has so. If I was going to talk like Kurt, hey, in your second episode, you read a letter from a listener. <laughs> no, but in re- he says, in your second episode, you read a letter from a listener who wrote that the breakdown of black families is the reason blacks are struggling, not because of systemic slavery rooted from slavery. Recently, talking to a white friend about race, he said more blacks commit crimes by percentage. It's a fact. And this is the reason blacks are struggling. In another instance, I was told by another white friend that black people use the narrative that they are disadvantaged as an excuse. My response each time is this. Are blacks inherently more prone to divorce than whites? Are blacks inherently more prone to committing crime? Are blacks inherently more prone to use excuses? What do you think about their comments and my response? Kurt has too many white friends. Kurt is woke. <laughs> um, that mo- we might want to piggyback that with the topic because that mm-hmm. kind of yeah yeah. I think I think we can piggyback that with the. Uh, with the topic and kind of hit that then, so. Okay. Shout out to my man, White Chocolate. White Chocolate, shout out to you. So we're going to save this awesome email for our next week topic because I think we should open up with this, honestly. Well, you, Tyler, you're talking about how the hood became the hood, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this week. Yeah, I'm, oh. yeah I mean, because the, the whole narrative of the black family and the breakdown in the black family, um... A lot of us so 
social engineering that happened on the side of the aisle. Both political parties are uh, are guilty, and a lot of the the social engineering and a lot of the uh, effects that that have broken down the black family. And and I think we can. I'll get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Well, what we're gonna do first is jump into our trending topic of the day, which has been trending all week. It is the death of Keith Lamont Scott in Charlotte. Trending topic. Tyler, did you get a chance to... Kyle's taking selfies of himself while we're recording. Kyle loves taking selfies. What is wrong with you in hey, selfies? This is for our Instagram. You need a selfie stick. Am, am, I, am <laughs> I the producer of this show or what? We need, we need photos, he, he's taking, he has a 13-year-old inner white girl. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's taking a photo of Tyler right now. That's right. Scratching his beard. Um, so, Tyler, did you get a lot a- of beard hate today? It is. I'm jealous. It's He's envy. jealous, man. It's you envy. Be. It's envy, and it comes out as hate. Yeah. All right. Did you get a chance to watch the videos, Tyler, of the shooting? Pete Scott. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I watched both of them, and I'm. I, I was. I'm still trying to put it all together. I'm. Did you get to I don't see know. the one where his wife was recording from her phone with her audio? No, I actually that I one didn't I watched see that. today, I didn't and see that it one. is much more clear than the police footage. It's it's wild. Yeah, I'll, it, I'll try to find the um, I'll try to find the link, and we can I can get it to you, or at least I can tell listeners where I found it. Yeah, yeah, I mean. I couldn't really tell. I, honestly, I watched it a couple times. I couldn't tell what was going on. Yeah. Honestly, I, I just I just heard toward the end, you better not be dead. <laughs> you better not be dead. Right. I'm like, yeah. uh, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, I, and for her to be standing by recording, and she's saying to the police over and over again, he has TBI. He doesn't have a gun. And then she's even saying to... Her husband, Keith, get out the car. Don't let him break the window. Um, so I'm, I'm like you, Tyler. I, I really don't know what to make of this. Um, I, it's really tough to, uh, from one part of the video, I did see of him kind of walking away. He wasn't a, a deadly threat that, that needed uh, the uh, the policeman to use deadly force. I mean, he was just walking away. I mean, you got, if this guy has tra- traumatic brain injury, something is going on. She said he just took his medicine. And, you know, I don't know if you guys know a lot of people with, with brain injuries or mental illnesses, but a lot of times the medicine can make them a little loopy, a little unresponsive. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, my thing is taking consideration that something is going on with this guy. You know, you, you have yeah. his wife here in the background, and when he got out, he didn't just start getting out shooting people if he had a gun. This guy is just stunned. He's, it's 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 a little weird, but you know, I, I'm, I just want to know to kind of figure out where, where all of this is going to go. Um, I want to, yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm really just trying to process everything. So the article where you can find that video, it's an NBCnews.com, and then the title of the article is Charlotte Police Release Video from Keith Lamont Scott Shooting, and then scroll down, and the actual title of the video, it is the 
Charlotte shooting videos, a side-by-side -side comparison. And they take, the, mm -hmm. they take the wife's video on one side and the police video on the other. And then you hear the audio from the wife's video. And I watched that today. And first of all, I'm thinking, you have this woman with her camera out. And this guy's not, he's not been shot yet. He's, he's inside the SUV and she's actually talking to him. She's saying, yeah. don't, don't let them break the windows because they're pounded on the windows with like a, some kind of police stick. And she's mm -hmm. telling him, get out of the car, like get out of the car, don't do this, do what they say, you know, kind of thing. She's telling the police, he doesn't have a gun, he doesn't have a gun, you know, these sorts of things. It's very bizarre, the police never acknowledge that she's even there i mean they're focused in on the vehicle yeah to me i'm thinking if this guy's wife is there why not use her to help bring about a peaceful solution to this that's right have her go in the car with him have her talk to him have her get involved meanwhile i mean you could just it was palpable to me the police versus the you know black lady that lives in in this part of charlotte the tension and the conflict it was palpable and it was just sad why would you not i couldn't believe that this woman had to watch her husband get shot like that yeah it was i mean yeah. that is crazy yep put yourself in her shoes that is insane that's insane it it reminds yeah, you yeah i don't oh go ahead oh go ahead, go ahead well i mean yeah i watched it and i didn't i didn't really do a lot of uh read a lot of articles on it, but my confusion is it's the same thing I said last week and I, I just don't understand why um, he had to be, why he's not alive right now. There were, um, I'm sure there was tasers. Um, there's many other ways as a man who's been wrestled down to the ground by a couple of police officers a couple of times, um, there are several ways to defuse the situation out shooting the man uh in front of his spouse and, and while you said while she's there um telling you that he's not right you know uh, there's some mental challenges there um health mental health issues um yeah it's it's just yeah there has to be mass 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 uh retraining i i, I was talking to someone and then I heard a um, news article, and they were saying how Dearborn, Dearborn's a suburb of Detroit, how they basically um, did retraining of all their police officers because over the last couple of years, two uh, mentally ill uh, African-Americans were killed in Dearborn, um, and, it, and it could have been avoided but because, you know, the first instinct is, uh, yeah, it's just... I don't understand. I'm, I'm just, my mind hurts trying to figure out where do we go from here? Why is this happening? You know, why does this woman now have to live with this for the rest of her life? It's just too much, man. It's just mentally and emotionally draining. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned like the Dearborn thing. It goes back to po uh, police. Now, for... Any of you guys, um, maybe it's some, some people that lived in Detroit, but we know not to go to Dearborn. That's mm -hmm. that's one of the things in the hood. Do not go to Dearborn because you're going to get pulled over. Or Livonia, or Livonia. Or when I was a kid, when I was when I was a teenager. Allen Park too, because we stand out there. Right. 
And the only way we're going through these cities is it's if we are on like a freeway going through the city. But we're not on the main streets because of things like this. Yeah. And I also wanted to piggyback off of um, you just, you know, talking about like um, Keith's wife experience. Like there was another story of a- another woman who wanted to protect her son from the police. And you know what they did to her? They pepper sprayed her. She was an 84 year old woman. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And it's 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 like it it us in our in our encounters with cops is a scary thing. It's a very scary thing because of uh, things like this. The the lack of respect I've seen even cops uh, that they would give my mother because unfortunately they were looking for a family member of mine. And they had a warrant to come in a house. They had no respect for my mother at all. Now, the question is, if my mother was white, would she have had any kind of respect? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I first... So the story broke, I said, the day of our recording last week. And so we've had about a week with it. When I first started trying to read what was going on, my initial thought was, oh, what the police says makes sense and stacks up. And I was seeing some protester signs for one of them said it was a book. And the family and the protesters were saying he didn't have a gun, he had a book. And the police were saying uh, he had a gun and we told him, put down the gun, put down the gun, you know, all these things. And there was a photo released of the gun on the ground. And so I was like, oh, he obviously had a gun, not a book. And I thought, this is a case. This is not a case worthy of being protested. If he had a gun and the police were saying, put down the gun, and he's not putting down the gun, right? All that changed when I watched the video this morning. And the videos were just released recently. But it shows why these videos need to happen. And I just want, especially white listeners, to understand, and this isn't the only one of these. This happens time and time and time again. I remember one in Cincinnati uh, about a year ago. Yeah, oh my gosh. And that one, I mean, it was a dash cam video. And this white cop who shot this black guy, I mean, he was just straight up racist and aggressive. And if Mm -hmm. this stuff hadn't been caught on tape i mean this guy could just shoot any black guy he wanted i mean Mm. the way he was carrying himself but it got caught on footage and he tried to cover it up he you know he he just lied about what actually happened and and uh, i believe that that officer did um i i don't know the exact follow-up but i believe he went to court and and got charges pressed on him and those sorts of things but my point is it's very easy for okay there's a lot of emotions running on both sides so it's very easy for police to shoot someone and then to try to cover their tracks and say well this happened and they had a gun and this happened and here's the police report and we all assume the police report is correct and there's a on the white side of things a blind following of the police and yeah i want to encourage white listeners that you don't have to blindly follow the police in order to support the police. I mean, right. I support the police. I'm thankful for what they do. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I, 
I don't need to blindly follow every report and every, because time and time again, police officers get charged with planting a gun or planting drugs mm-hmm. on someone yeah. and those sorts of things. And so with this case of Keith Wilmot Scott, it's important that both sides don't just blindly take a side. I don't think you should hold up a, a sign that says it was a book if you don't know for sure that it was a book. At the mm-hmm. same time, you shouldn't assume he had a gun and he was violent and he was a threat uh, if you didn't see what happened. Because I watched the video today and I tell you what, if he had a gun, and maybe he did, they found an ankle holster, the police said it had his DNA on and the gun and the ankle holster, the family's having an independent investigator look at all that, which is very much needed here. Because police are human, they have a stake in this, no officer wants to get arrested, <laughs> right? And they're going to cover for themselves. But the point is, if he had a gun, in that video, you see him get out of the vehicle and he is standing there. Maybe he was high, he was smoking weed. That's fine, It's not a, you don't need to get killed for smoking weed. He was so chill, literally just standing there, standing there, arms at his side, and then he starts walking backwards, to, which is a, a, a sign of not violence, right. it's a sign of not aggression, Retreat. and he gets dropped boom 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 and it's it's a shock it's a shock to me this guy there is no way based on the video that i watched and i'm talking about the one that his wife took the one i just mentioned on nbc news mm-hmm. there's no way you can say he deserved to die there even if he had a gun i mean people carry guns i know lots of people that have guns whether they're have the lots of christians lots of christians have lots guns. of christians yeah the man next to me has a gun. There's lots of people in my church that have guns. It's it's a constitutional right to have a gun. You, it, If a cop says drop the gun and you don't drop the gun, but you're not waving it around to shoot someone, you don't yeah. get killed for that. You just don't, especially if you're high or whatever. Here's my thing, Noah. And I, I, I tweeted this last week. Um, I would consider myself uh, reformed in theology. Um, it's funny, everyone who claim well, not everyone, I mean, that's paint with a broad brush, tons of people who claim to be, quote, reformed in theology believe in total depravity everywhere except for the American government mm-hmm. and the police. There are, per, there are if, if there's depraved people that work um, in our schools, and, and there's depraved people that work wherever. Don't you think there's some totally depraved people with um, bad intentions and evil in their hearts on the police force? That's right. It it just it just doesn't make any sense how how we claim to believe in a, a gospel that everyone is born in sin, everyone is fallen, everyone needs a savior, but then we blindly blindly trust the police because this is what they said we blindly trust in a government that uh has had systematic and and legalized slavery legalized segregation and we just say well um that's over with no it's it's depraved people sinful people wicked people and every sphere of life and we can't just overlook um all of the, the evil that's happening and just blindly like sheep say, oh, well, 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 the police said this. So blue lives matter or whatever. Right, and right. I, I just, right. I, I just totally, I don't understand that. I totally, it, it blows my mind 
the the level of just blind trust in a flawed system with flawed people that has proven over and over and over again that it's wicked and it and it, it it's it's yeah i i'm i i just don't understand that what's needed is true accountability and true transparency i mean it's no different than being a pastor you have wicked pastors out there you have corrupt <laughs> pastors Tons out of there. so the solution to that is accountability and transparency accountability when someone does do something egregiously wrong they need to be fired they need criminal charges whatever it might be and transparency mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which prevents those things from happening i think i think you said that yeah very very well a, a couple quick things so it, what's hard about this is we're doing a, a, a radio show essentially and we're talking about a man who died uh, we're talking about a city that's having these protests and we we can only give it 10 15 minutes uh, but I, I hope that in these people can learn i hope we can learn um it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this unfolds one thing i found interesting just a couple things before we move on you know charlotte is where the carolina panthers play and there's all mm -hmm. these protests happening i don't panthers. i don't want to spend a lot of time on this but i would point out that this last uh sunday cam newton star quarterback black for the panthers one of the league's biggest stars. I think maybe he was MVP last year. But on the back of his shirt he was wearing in warm-ups was the Martin Luther King quote. And I'll, I'm going to paraphrase here. But um, injustice, what is the injustice? In anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. A lot of these black athletes, they are uh, making a stand. You have Colin Kaepernick. And it's... Are you laughing because your phone's ringing? Power through. Power through, Noah. Power through. We can like, edit this out. The, this is like the baby in my sermon. It won't stop crying. And then Kyle, we can edit this out. Because it's so out. bad. We can edit this out. <laughs> the sermon's so bad. That's why the baby's crying. Um, I know the baby's really like everyone in the congregation. They just start crying. All right. Stop the ringing of the phone. So Tyler is in Detroit where we cannot control him. And, and That's right. Kyle and I are here in Lansing in the studio. Right. I'm actually at my grandmother's house, so. All right. That's why Shout you get the old school phone ring. I like those curtains in the background too. <laughs> I, I was wondering about your. I'm baby. literally at my. I'm literally at my grandmother's house. Shout out about to my your, grandma. Your Shout out, grandma. Your taste in curtains was concerning me, but they. I think they fit your grandma well. That's right. Uh, so m my thought as a white sports fan is a lot of these white fans now they're sort of paralyzed because. They're, they worship these athletes. They own their jersey. Score me a touchdown. And now all of a sudden, your your favorite athletes are kneeling during the anthem or you're wearing shirts about injustice when a murder mm -hmm. happens in your town or manslaughter or whatever you want to call it. And it's just interesting the way the ripple effects of this, that people are having to deal with these issues. But I don't think most people are dealing with them well. We don't have time to go over this, mm -hmm. but I'd encourage people to look up uh, Nancy Armour, she writes for USA Today in the sports section. She's a white lady, uh, and she's – I love this article. It says, National Anthem Protests Bring Out the Worst in People. But she is just reading or listing some of the letters she got when she wrote articles about Colin Kaepernick, kind of a pro-Kaepernick perspective. And these if – you, if, if you wonder if overt racism is alive and well in the United States – just read Nancy Armour's uh, article in today's USA Today. It's shocking some of the response that white people have 
to Kaepernick, wishing that he breaks his back when he goes in and plays, yeah. calling him an F Crazy. in this and an F in that, and that he they want him to die of AIDS. I mean, it's just they're ripping on his afro. I mean, it is it's unbelievable. And then we still can just turn a blind eye to all this stuff. And more people are doing it. Uh, like high schoolers are. Yeah. Kneeling, kneeling, and and uh, the the Wolverines, uh, they were laying down during the national anthem. So will a white athlete kneel? I wonder if it's happened yet, because I don't think it has. <laughs> I don't think it has. And that goes back to this: white people like to say, we said this. I think was our first episode, the one race. We're all one race, which biologically we are, but there's obviously social construct of race that divides everybody. Well, if we were one race, then. Why aren't the white human beings just standing alongside their black human beings saying there's human being injustice going on and I'm a human being, so I'm going to <laughs> protest this as well? Because they'll tell you this is America and you stand for America. <laughs> or get out. <laughs> or get out. <laughs> or I mean, go or back to Africa where you came yeah, from. That's exactly it, what high profile people. Mike Ditka. How about Ditka? Yeah. Wow. Wow. The coach. And he was running for mayor of Chicago at one point, I think. Honestly. That go, that goes back to what I said a, a minute ago. People say, well, it's a sin problem. You know, it's not a racism problem. It's a, it's a sin problem. People need to just stop sinning. But then you turn around and you see people wish death hmm. on a man's family. And yeah. that's not a sin problem. You know, but racism doesn't exist. I mean, I've, li- I've literally seen and heard Christians... People who profess Christ um, say that racism doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you realize r- racism was a, you see, you see um, uh, a racist narrative throughout scripture. So America solved the problem with race. If we, if we see people discriminated because of their race, their class and their gender all throughout the Bible. Um, and then we're, we're, I guess we're smart enough to fix it in our country. Huh? Come mm-hmm. on, man. Get out of here. Yeah. Next week, we'll talk about we don't have a race problem. We have a sin problem, and Jesus is the Mm -hmm. answer. That was essentially the Dabo Swinney quote that many others say as well. Today, our topic of the day, we are talking about how the hood became the hood. We don't have a drop for that. Topic of the day. Topic of the day. The The topic topic of the the day. day. That was pretty good. That was pretty accurate. There you was. All right, topic of the day. I'm going to warn listeners now. We are going to play an eight-minute clip, and it is from a documentary called Race, the Power of an Illusion. It is done by California Newsreel in partnership with PBS. I highly recommend people buy it, or you can get it from your library it's about $30 to buy. It's three hours of documentary. And especially if you're white, because that's just my perspective, <laughs> it will change you. It will change your perspective on race. It will educate you. It is very, 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 very well done. Before we jump into the documentary clip, I want to read just a brief section from a book that I talk about a lot on this show, Divided by Faith by Emerson and Smith. And in the first part of the book, they go through history. Tyler and Tyler are making fun of me right now. I don't even know what it's about. Bless your heart. 
Can't take you guys anywhere. White people love reading. You... <laughs> like, I'm allergic book, to books. Holding this book. <laughs> hey, ho- holding this book is like holding an email from Joel Clark. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this the book's like, a little bit shorter. The book right. is a little shorter, <laughs> it's a little yeah. It's like the intro to one of Joel's emails. All right, let me read to you. Renewed concern, 1917 to 1950. Several events centering around World War I changed this. Okay, I shouldn't have read that. All right, starting here. In 1870, over 90% of African Americans lived in the South. Over 80% lived in the rural South. So just So 150 years ago... 90% of blacks live in the rural South. Very different than today. Nobody's living in the cities. By 1910, this had changed little. Northern industries needed workers, but immigrants from other lands filled these needs. With the coming of World War I, however, immigration slowed while the demand for labor increased in a monumental change for African Americans and for American race relations Blacks began leaving the rural South in large numbers for northern and southern cities. Skipping down through practices, listen up here, such as racial steering as well as violence, northern whites during this period birthed the black urban ghetto, a quintessential urban feature of contemporary American society as the solution to the rise in the urban black population. Racial violence increased in urban areas as whites fought to protect their jobs and neighborhoods. Between 1917 and 1921, one black home in Chicago was bombed, on average, every 20 days. Mm. Did you hear that? Mm. 1917 and 1921, this was in the heyday of the New York Yankees and all those guys. A (laughs) A black home in Chicago was bombed, not by ISIS. Not by Bin Laden, mm-hmm. by whites, an average of every 20 days. Yeah, that's a war zone, man. Last sentence here. This is with World War II came new changes, particularly the acceleration of suburbanization and white flight in the face of continued black migration to northern cities. And that's what we will be hearing more about in this California newsreel clip, you will begin, you're just gonna hear the audio of a video. So you begin with a, an older black couple from a place called Levitt Town, which was a white suburb that was built during the post-World War II GI Bill white flight era. We came to Levitt Town and we found the model house and we walked in and we looked around and uh, of course, in the eyes of a uh, young man who was raised in the ghetto, so to speak, it was an interesting experience, interesting lifestyle, seeing all the new modern conveniences, very fascinating. Eugene Burnett came home with almost a million other black GIs. They had fought for the country in segregated ranks. They returned hoping for equality and the American dream. For many, that dream was a new home for little money down and some of the easiest credit terms in history. I went up to the salesman, we're interested in your home, we're interested in buying one, and uh, what is the procedure? Is there an application to be filled out? 
so forth. So he looked at me, looked around, and he said to me, he says, listen, it's not me, but the owners of this development have not as yet decided to sell these homes to Negroes. It was as though it wasn't real. You can't imagine. But for someone to come out and actually tell you that they can't sell to you. You know, I, I was really on an up. Man, look at this house. Can you imagine having this? And then for them to tell me because of the color of my skin, I can't be a part of it. The FHA underwriters warned that the presence of even one or two non-white families could undermine real estate values in the new suburbs. These government guidelines were widely adopted by private industry. Race had long played a role in local real estate practices. Starting in the 1930s, government officials institutionalized the national appraisal system where race was as much a factor in real estate assessment as the condition of the property. Using this scheme, Federal investigators evaluated 239 cities across the country for financial risk. So that those communities that were all white, suburban, and far away from minority areas, uh, they received the highest rating, and that was the color green. Those communities that were all minority or in the process of changing, they got the lowest rating and the color red. They were redlined. As a consequence, most of the mortgages went to suburbanizing America, and it suburbanized it racially. The racial logic adopts the principle that an integrated neighborhood is a bad risk, is a financial risk, that an integrated neighborhood is likely to be an unstable neighborhood, uh, unstable socially, but therefore also unstable economically. When the white residents of Eight Mile Road in Detroit were told they were too close to a black neighborhood to qualify for a positive FHA rating, they built this six-foot wall between themselves and their black neighbors. Once the wall went up, Mortgages on the white properties were approved. Between 1934 and 1962, the federal government underwrote $120 billion in new housing. Less than 2% went to non-whites. I can understand an individual, depending on his environment or his family or whatever, uh, being racist, but for your country, to um, sanction it, give him tools to do that. There's something deadly wrong there. And all the amenities with them, but when blacks are by themselves, they can't get they, they can't get loans. Uh, they don't have a decent tax base. There are no jobs, and then that that becomes associated with black space. In the end. What happened to Roosevelt happens in many neighborhoods when white families and businesses flee. The tax base eroded. Schools and services declined. 
the town was seen by county officials as a legitimate dumping ground for welfare families. As homes in white communities appreciated in value, the net worth of these white families grew. For most non-white families who stayed in urban neighborhoods, the housing market open to them in the 50s and 60s was largely a rental market. You don't gain equity by paying rent. Where one's family lives in America is not just a matter of, of taste and preference. You have the issue of housing and wealth. The majority of Americans hold most of their wealth in the form of home equity. So that's their nest egg. That's how they can finance the education of their offspring. That's how they can um, sort of save up for retirement. Um, it's their savings bank, right? They're living in their savings bank. My family, like a lot of families, was in Detroit struggling to buy a house. You had a dual housing market, one white, one black. A housing market with one with a lot of demand, another housing market with very little demand. My father lives in the house that I grew up in. The house today, five-bedroom house, is worth about $20,000. That same house bought in the suburbs would be worth today about $320,000. So whites moving to the suburb were being subsidized in the accumulation of wealth, while blacks were being divested. And these were public policy decisions in which, on one hand, people were given access to property, um, given title, and subsequently wealth, and on another hand, where people were not given access to property, did not generate wealth, and did not generate the kind of opportunity for the next generation. So if you can get a government loan, and with your GI Bill, your newly earned college degree, and buy a house in an all-white area that then appreciates in value, that then you can pass on to your children, then you're passing on wealth, that has all been made more available to you as a consequence of racist policies and practices. To the child of that parent, it looks like my father worked hard, bought a house, passed his wealth on to me, made it possible for me to go to school, mortgage that house so I could have, you know, a relatively debt-free college experience and finance my college education. How come your father didn't do that? You know, well, there's some good reasons why maybe your father had a harder time doing it if you're African-American or Latino or Native American. And the thing that's really uh, slick about whiteness, if you will, is that most of the benefits can be obtained without ever doing anything personally. For whites, they're getting the spoils of a racist system, even if they're not personally racist. What the race power of an illusion documentary and the clip you just listened to does such a good job of is it shows that the black urban ghetto didn't happen overnight. Right. And it showed it was it was literally created not that long ago. We're, we're talking about the 40s, 50s, 60s. It was literally created by whites who didn't want to be around black people. And worst of all, by our government, by law, law that made this happen. And I think what's most interesting, at the very end of that clip, it talks about once all the whites moved out, I don't know tax law super well, those sorts of things, 
But basically, counties no longer had a need to invest tax dollars into those poor black urban ghettos. There wasn't a tax <laughs> revenue for them. So because it wasn't a tax revenue, it wasn't going to be a tax payout. Well, mm -hmm. well, what did taxes pay for? Schools, roads, parks, bi uh, business incentives, all that stuff left the black urban ghetto when the whites left. You know what's so funny about that? <clears throat> so I um, met a couple of new friends, and uh, these friends, they are rich white guys, right? And having a conversation with them, one of them um, by the name of, well, I'm not going to give his name, but he talked Bill about. Bill Gates. Don't. Bill Gates. You can say that. <laughs> right, I'm going to say Bill, Bill Gates. Gates. <laughs> <laughs> he, actually, he actually talked about how when he lived in the hood, Tyler, uh, in the D, he stayed uh, off of Joy Road near Schaefer. And he mm. talked about how he was with the rest of the whites who moved out of the hood um, to save investments, to save their businesses. Um, so it was really crazy to meet somebody who actually took part of redlining. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's so funny that, I mean, along with the redlining, I mean, you look at the ripples, like like you were just pointing out. Um, I, I was I was preaching at a church this Sunday um, in a um, predominantly white area uh, in the suburbs of Illinois, and I and I use the example that I hear often that you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, I worked hard, and not mm -hmm. saying that many of my white brothers who um, went to college and 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 grind. Um, to get to a certain level of middle class. Not saying that they did not work hard. My whole point is we don't we don't all have the same boots. Yeah, you know, put yourself up by your bootstraps is it's a flawed argument because everyone doesn't have the same boots. Um, when you look at a school in this uh, in in Detroit, as opposed to a school in the suburbs, I mean, you know, is there is there even is there even a comparison? I mean, mm. and when and when you take and when you like you say when you take the tax rev revenue all out, I mean that's how hip hop was born. Um, all of us we, we we love and we appreciate hip hop. Hip hop was born because guess what? Kids didn't have music anymore, so we're gonna have to we're gonna scratch on some records. That's right. Break dancing. They didn't have they didn't have dance programs. All of that stuff. Uh, the get down is a really good. I was just uh, gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, really good series on Netflix, but it, it shows the birth of hip hop. Yeah. Graffiti because we didn't have what we we didn't have art anymore. That's right. Uh, break break dancing and 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 uh, the MCing and we didn't have poetry class anymore, so we're gonna start mm -hmm. MCing over beats. Mm -hmm. Um. All, all of what we have is hip hop culture. The way we dress, um, yeah, came from 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 cutting the sleeves off jackets and all kind of crazy stuff because we did not have. Um, and, and you you take all of those resources, you take after school programs. I mean, um, one of the things that the Black Panthers did was they uh, wanted to feed kids in the morning because kids aren't there. I live in Detroit. Detroit is classified as a a, a food desert. You know, I, 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 I have to go 10 minutes away from my house to get fresh produce. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and, and milk and all that stuff. So all of the things you look at 
that suburban kids have, um, we just don't have access to. We don't have access to fresh food and fresh produce, um, uh, good schools, after-school programs, and parks, and 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 all, all these different things, and all of that stuff left with redlining, and um, went to the suburbs. And I just want to point out something really quick. Now Tyler said he has to travel ten minutes to get fresh produce for his family. This is recent. He would have ha- had to travel a couple right. of years ago. He would have had to travel farther than that because <laughs> this particular store moved in downtown because more white people started to move right. back Hello. to downtown Detroit. Yeah. Hello. What does that tell you? Right. Well, and mm-hmm. I just met with a 22-year-old black guy in my neighborhood, and this is just Lansing. You know, Lansing's not big, but it has these same little urban ghetto holes, I guess you'd call them. It's like a black hole. You just don't get out. You don't leave your four block <laughs> radius, you know? Mm. Um, he's 22, living on his own. He's working. He's In his whole life, he's never shopped at a grocery store. And ever. He's never shopped at Meyer or Kroger. Ever. He goes to Family Dollar. Uh, ser- seriously. And yeah. so you... And this, yeah. is no- this is normal. This is normal. Uh, and so, I, so I, I'm trying to foster like a mentoring relationship with him and and his homework was to just, when he first as he gets paid, go to the grocery store and shop. And he did it. I was really happy. He just showed me the receipt, and he did it. I mean, but you just think about that. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a huge indicator of what's going on mm-hmm. in, right. in the ghettos. And, and, and to show how everything is a domino effect, how one mm-hmm. thing affects another, how one thing affects another, um, that's one of the, they make fun of me because... Uh, a lot of times for breakfast, I'll have a, a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos and a Red Bull. Um, <laughs> the breakfast of church planting um, giants. But don't forget, don't forget Burger King. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, 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 I stopped eating that. Burger King after I that made fun of you. I shamed you. I shamed you. Into <laughs> it's the Lord of But word. if you the look, if you look at all, the, if you look at the little kids in the hood, man, I mean, yes. they have all they have all those juices with the high fructose corn yes. syrup. That's right. They have For all cheap. those chips. Yeah. yeah, because one, they can't get they, they there's nowhere to get fresh meat, fresh produce for their mothers to make sandwiches. You got to go to Family Dollar, and and I mean even Family Dollar, the ones the ones in the hood where I'm at, man, that meat be green. That stuff is old and expired and not fresh, and not kept uh, in the right temperatures. So I'm not buying that junk. To, I'm not buying that junk to feed my family. Right. So you see, you see, you see the kids with with weight issues and. And, and, and oh, by the way, a lot of these schools don't have gym anymore. So That's just right. the obesity and the sickness and the childhood diabetes, all these things are effects. You know, one thing is linked to another like a chain. That's right. If you fast forward to today, you know, where we are listening today, Kyle, you and I were talking the other day about how the, the present day mindset is not that much different than it was when all this stuff happened. So the idea was... I think this was your word. It was like black people were put in a cage. That's the ghetto. And then I just said, yeah. And then white people kind of did this with their hands. Right. And was like, all right. And then you raise yourselves. That's right. Just go ahead and raise yourselves. And we're going to ignore you. We're going to turn a blind eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police aren't going to, you know, come into the really, really bad areas. Um, we're just going to let you go. We're, n- we're not going to interfere with education, with any of these things. And then you fast forward 
60, 70 years, and then you wonder why kids are sagging their pants and, you know, these sorts of things. That's right. That's right. I mean, you just said it alone that these guys that you mentor in in the hood, like, they don't go outside of a four-block radius. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, also how... Tyler, you pick. You talked about how, like the, the clothes situation. Like, let's. I want to give a rundown to all of our listeners who, who don't understand what we're talking about. Okay, so living a life as a black person in the hood, the reason why we have soul food is because as slaves we were given the scraps. We mm-hmm. we were given things that we had to make do, and that evolved into soul food. You know, we, mm-hmm. we eat, we're eating the pig's feet. We're eating the chitlins. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, chitlins are uh, the intestines of, intestines. Uh, of a pig. pig. Yeah. Things, scraps that, that the, 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 the owner or the master, he didn't want to eat or his family to eat, gave to us to keep us alive and going so that we can continue to work the fields. Um, mm-hmm. My family, we share clothes. Mm-hmm. Share clothes. And we only had couple of outfits so my mom would talk about how they they share clothes and 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 so so this is like our mentality this is our mentality Mm -hmm. and and another thing that that kind of woke me up was when a recession happened the life life didn't change for people in the hood Mm -hmm. it was normal not at all it was normal Mm -hmm. yeah it was (laughs) i didn't to be 100 percent honest I, i was like what recession uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. I, I was like, know, "Oh, I, there's a recession going on." <laughs> yeah, you know, we, I didn't, I didn't freak out, man. Uh, it was just like, "Oh, well, this is, this is it." You know what I'm saying? But I mean, to, to, to your point, it's just how, how you know, it's the strength that um, I love and I've cherished and I've embraced about the black experience. Um, you look all throughout, you know, from when we got here on uh, on, on boats and landed on Jamestown, and, and today we've always been a people who um, trusted God, um, made made a lot out of a very little. We've always we've always been a people that have um, persevered, and we've always been a people who made the best out of bad situations. That's right, um, and even even in, you know, handed the cards that we were handed, we still um, have, uh, yeah, experienced a lot, but still made best out of a bad situation more times than not. Let me give a closing thought on the topic of the day, then I'll let you guys conclude it and wrap it up. But I will say this to white Christians specifically listening. We need to read our Bibles and see over and over and over again God's heart in the Old Testament, which is unchanging, his heart for the oppressed, his heart for those that have endured injustice, and then into the New Testament, God's heart for the poor. And it's not that all blacks are poor, when I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. but you do look at the urban ghetto, and it is a quintessential feature of American racial society today. We have to stop doing the like this with our hands. Jesus didn't do that mm-hmm. to us. Jesus mm-hmm. moved into the neighborhood. He moved into Galilee. He moved into the hood. He, mo- he was made fun of for where he came from. He moved into the place where people didn't come from. And we need to stop ignoring uh, the hood, the ghetto, the, the bad part of the city. Move in. You won't die. Uh, get to know the kids at the park that play there. Stop judging them. 
Stop um, judging the sins. They are sins, but stop being so judgmental to the point that you don't get involved. Yeah, they're sins, and people need to be mentored. They need to be discipled. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of, oh, you're a sinner. You're you don't have a dad, or or you you know you're some guy that has children with multiple uh, women. Stop being so judgmental. Like you don't sin. And jump in relationally the way Jesus did. It's not just spitting the gospel at them. It's doing the gospel with them. It's just mm. doing life with them. And if you don't want to move into the inner city, I mean, you don't you don't have to, but support those who do. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, but we've got to stop this isolationism. Yeah. This and and acting like um, we're better than everybody. We're better than everybody. <laughs> and. You think, you know, financially, well, it's because of the injustice of our past. We we have to stop acting like everybody was born with the same boots because we weren't. And it's wrong. And there are things we can do with what we've been given to make a difference and to turn things around to give equal opportunity. And the more we do that, that that's the only way that the racial stuff, if you look back at John Perkins, the three R's of the CCDA, he's talking about reconciliation but that doesn't happen without relocation and redistribution. Those things are essential. Piggyback on what you said, if you can't um, move to the hood, if you can't um, serve as much as you want, support uh, urban church plants. Um, th- that's a little. That may be a little bit selfish on my part, but support urban church plants. They don't have to be <laughs> mine, but there's tons. There's tons of gospel work. Um, um, shout out to my, my my friends in Camden, New Jersey, and cats in Chicago, cats who <laughs> cats who are planting churches and who are in the trenches, who are trying to disciple uh, dudes with two strikes, trying to um, be father fathers uh, to the fatherless, who are uh, supporting and um, trying to be there for um, single mothers. So support, 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 pray pray for them. Pray for those works and try to support financially. Um, secondly, kind of long, do your homework. Um, look at how how the welfare system um, took men out of the homes. Oh, there, there's no black men in the homes. Yeah. Uh, look at look at how Section Eight housing and and well, if you want this house, you can't have a man living here. So and mm. you can't be married. So a lot of the welfare. Um, a legislation took took black men out of the homes. That's right. Uh, look at look at uh, read books like New Jim Crow. Look at how yeah. the the mass incarceration. I was just looking at statistics. Um, black pe- black and white people do drugs and and have drugs around the same rate, but black men are six times more likely to be convicted of a drug charge. You know why is yeah. that? You know just a private privately owned prison system that is um, very profitable for black and brown men uh, to be um, to, to fill them. So do your homework. Do your homework on, don't just say, well, you know, black people make bad decisions to have all these babies without being married. Yes, there's an element of personal responsibility, um, but there's a lot of social engineering. That, that, that's the phrase I want to keep using, like redlining, like mass incarceration, like... Um, um, businesses and economic advancement leaving our area, leaving leaving our communities, our communities basically being owned by the government and owned by 
um, people who are from other countries that won't hire us for jobs. So all yeah. of these things are, are a toxic mix, um, along with a lot of people who are sinners, <laughs> who made a lot of bad decisions. You know that meaning you know, that being people in the hood. So it, it's it, it's yeah, it's a very tangled web. But uh, do your homework and um, talk to people. Talk to people yeah. who, are, who who live here, um, and try to find ways where you can uh, serve and not just be. Um, someone who just spouts out rhetoric because we don't need more rhetoric we need uh life change that's in right. detroit and chicago and philly and new york and baltimore and he just uh, mentioned for the listeners that heard that uh the book is again it's called the new jim crow and it's by michelle alexander um and it, it, it changed my life um uh it's definitely a great book it's very rich in history in facts and statistics it's not opinionated. Mm -hmm. um, it's factual. Um, and mm -hmm. also, uh, there's another book I recommend, too, that gives the history of how the black church came about. Um, and it's actually called Black and Reformed by Anthony mm -hmm. J. Carter. Uh, very mm -hmm. great book. And you get to see yeah. um, and read the experience of um, the African-American church and um, kind of how blacks were pushed out of uh, white congregations in a way and just mm -hmm. just different things so pick up those books and uh definitely i wanted to end our topic of the day uh just with a, uh, a, a scripture that i, I think that, that you'll be able to see that what we're saying is from a gospel lens this isn't uh just tyler this isn't just kyle this isn't just noah but it's actually psalms 10 Psalms 10 and 17 through 18, it says, Oh Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will mm -hmm. strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and mm -hmm. the oppressed. So that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Yeah, let, let me read one. One of the one of the scriptures uh, I, I preached that I came out of um, this Sunday was uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, a very familiar passage of scripture. Um, it says, what does God require? It says, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I think as evangelical church um, in America, we've basically just relegated to walk humbly with God. Um, it's all about my personal devotion. It's all about my, um, my church attendance. We've totally neglected, well, not, not totally neglected, and I mean, not paint with a broad brush, but we have uh, very seriously neglected where God says, do justice and love mercy. And Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, um, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes and cease to do evil learn to do good seek justice correct oppression correct oppression bring justice to the fatherless and plead the case of the widow god is saying we need to correct oppression seek justice and be vindicate and be vindicators for the fatherless and the widows and i would argue that the widows of our day are often single mothers black mm -hmm. and white who are um, basically treated like second-class citizens in That's many right. cases. That's right. Because they didn't, quote, make good life decisions. Right. 
they're still they're still image bearers, and those children are image bearers of God as well. So, That's right. do justice. Well, we've lost Tyler, Kyle. Yeah, I think he had better things to do, like he walked away, sleep or watch TV. He couldn't do it anymore. He was like, I, I'm done. I can't do this. That's good, I, man. You think Tyler really doesn't like me? Um, that's just like his thing. He he does like, I'm funny. I don't like you. I think you should ask that question to some somebody who actually like you, because I, I don't know if I like you either. Dude, it's just it's a black thing. You're trying to be like Tyler right now. You're trying to be funny. You're trying to take his role of making fun of the token white guy. You are the token white guy. We should treat. You know what? We should treat you with more respect and love on you. Because yeah. you kind of feel oppressed. I'm fragile. Yeah, white people are fragile. You're very fragile. That's right. Get sensitive. That's right. That's why you lock the doors when I walk past your car. Yes. And and I, you know, he hired me. Like, and he still locks his doors. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know who I really lock the doors when they're around is Black Superman. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's, it's the Black Superman. Guy, Catch me if you can. Hey, what's up, my people? Black Superman. Oh, man. I got a beef with you. Oh, you got beef with me? Man, you kicked me off your show last week, man. What's up with that? You show up on my show drunk on... What, what were you drinking? Malt liquor? Uh, wild Irish robes. You show up drunk, and then you have the audacity to rip me on Twitter all week. Listen. Listen. Now, the problem is, is that I came here as peaceful as I can be. But I got put out of the, the restaurants in the 60s, and you want to <laughs> put me out of uh, a podcast that I fly all the way across the world to be with you guys. Don't act like it's hard for you to fly around the world. It it's is. Not. It's not. It is. It's not. It is. It's not. It's not. You're right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You're the, the white man is right. That's right. That's right. I told you, I, look, look, man, I, when I steal these cars from over here, I got to go to Africa, drop them off. So, you know, Listen, this is on my way. You need to sober up. I'm, I love you. My kids love you. You need to sober up. This is ridiculous. I got a problem. I mean... If you were a superhero, true. black and in America, you'd be drunk too. That's true. I'm not a superhero or black. That's right. I can't. I'm sorry that I judged you. You know, I wish I had a, a power I could just turn myself white. <laughs> I would just I would just turn myself white in with yeah. the quickness. That would be a good power. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of your nemesis, white privilege? You should never speak of that name. I cringe at the thought of white privilege. But you're kind of envious at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like this. Uh, I remember being introduced to white privilege. Uh, I was introduced by... Like a blind date? No, it was actually the white Superman. Oh, oh Charlie Puth. Now, Charlie Puth... Is not white Superman. I'm talking about the white guy. Y'all watching all these movies. And, uh, man, they got a story about him called Smallville. What are they going to do with black Superman? Good 
good question. Yeah, good, great question. I don't think it would get very good ratings. Why? Because I'm black? Because you're black, yeah. Black yeah. people don't win Oscars. Right. Those sorts of things. See, if if I would be the only superhero that got killed early in the movie. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You notice Tyler's not here today? Yeah, man, I, I wouldn't be here either. Being with just you and, and you know, I'm nervous. And if there's another white guy that's sitting across from me. I mean, I'm just a little nervous right now. Tyler heard you were coming on and he was out. He said, I'm done. I'm not I'm not I'm not being associated with Black Superman anymore. In fact, he said you are the problem with black people today. I don't believe he said that. I think what he did is he uh, going to get some cameras to install in his room just in case if I got shot or beat up, there will be evidence. What he said was, whenever I talk about race as a black person, people always say things like, well, what about black-on-black crime? What about fatherlessness? Those are your problems. And he says, those are black Superman's problems, and he keeps bringing me down, and I'm not going to be associated with him anymore. He said that? Actually, he just went to get some more fried chicken for you. Oh, good. That's right. Listen, man, black people love fried chicken. I mean, you could come in our house, you know, put a gun up to our head, and you can say, hey, man, I'm sorry. Here's some fried chicken. We forget all about it. That's how much we love it. Speaking of fried chicken yeah. and Twitter, okay, you were all the rage on Twitter last night during the debates. Man, listen, I couldn't believe that Donald Trump did not wear the suit that I bought him last week. You know, I'm a big Trump supporter. I know. I saw you on stage with him, remember? I thought you were the vice president. Yeah, man. Listen, uh, Trump and I, we go way back. I mean, I remember... Is he immortal like you are? Well, no. But he's the only guy that can save me from white privilege. Okay. Because he holds white privilege within himself. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I remember... The good old days, me and Trump used to make racial remarks against other black people while sitting in the sunlight. You know, I would just, uh, you know, just, just, you know, we would be in the park cooking hot dogs, dropping in bombs, man. That's that's what I love about Trump. Hot dogs and end bombs. That's right. That's right. What does Trump put on his hot dog? Uh, well, he loved. Ketchup. He loves ketchup. As a matter of fact, he has a guy that was with him 24-7 and carries around his special bottle of ketchup. And you know why it's so special? I don't. Because it was made by a slave back in the 1800s. So it's like an antique. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. 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 They just opened a museum in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah, I saw that. African-American history. I assume there's going to be a full hall dedicated to you. You know, that would be amazing. But I'm just a black guy nobody hears about. See, all of that, all of the stories and things, it actually it came from me. Black history is here because of me. Now, they think that, you know, that, that uh, what was the name? Um, you know, you hear about the, the, the Book of Tea. You hear the George Washington Carvers. Yep, George Washington Carvers, yeah. Yeah, you you hear? Listen, how are they going to do all this with limited resources? I brought most of those resources from other planets. Thank you for doing that. 
I wish somebody else would tell me thank you. But no, you got these other mortals taking my spot. The only respect you really get is on the Chopping It Up podcast. That's right. And that's why I make it here every time. Because I know you guys love Black Superman. Just in case is a big fan of yours. He likes to email the show. You know, I like Justin Case, but I still can't believe you think his name ain't real. He sent us his real name. Here, let me read it for you. Justin Casperger. It sound like it sound like when he wrote that he was drunk. I don't yeah. think that's his name, because Perskisker. It does look like a drunk man writing. It has one vowel, and the rest are all consonants. Hey, look, just in case, listen, man, I love you, man. I, I'm glad that you listened to Black Superman and all of my problems and woes. <laughs> We're glad, too. You need a friend. I do. We felt like last time you don't really have any friends, and I'm not your friend. Uh, I know Tyler's not your friend, and so we're just glad Justin's out there for you. You know, it's kind of lonely being powerful, (laughs) black, limitless, in this cruel white world. But you know what, guys? I got a jet. But what I want you to know is that if it ain't black, it's whack. Peace, love, soul, and chicken grease. Chicken grease. All right. Excellent. I'd like Superman. Goodbye. I guess he's gone. I didn't really get a yeah. chance to say goodbye. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I think he has somewhere to Just go. Like that. Boom. Disappeared. He's he's quick. He is. He's quick, man. I think that went a lot better. You know, I I, I honestly believe that man. Like the gospel is moving on his yeah, heart because he was really forgiven. I've been you. praying for him a lot. Good. Yeah. Good. We reconciled a few things. I think we're back to being peers. We respect each other. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's a good guy. You just, you know. We do need listeners to pray for him. Yeah, please pray for Black Superman. Um, I also heard that uh, the charges were recently dropped. Good. That he had in Russia. Now that's a victory. That is. For the Black Lives Matter movement. That is. That is. (laughs) No, they've been bigoting that one hardcore. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear that there were some Black Lives uh, Matter protesters they, they got hit by a car but they found out it wasn't actually a car if you slow down the camera it was black superman <laughs> flying through the crowd that's me why is he doing that i told you he's racist he's racist he's jealous too he, i think he is he wanted the name of black lives matter to be black superman lives yep. matters and yep. that got uh, censored it got deleted edited it got yep. edited out yeah which really is ridiculous he yeah, named the movement. They shouldn't edit out the apostrophe or the Superman lives. Yeah. Apostrophe S. They should not edit that out. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. We need to start a new movement. I think we should. What should it be called? Hashtag Black Superman's Life Matters. I think I I would love to do that. Let's do that. Okay. It's on. Uh, it's gonna go viral after we post. We better end this. Yeah. Yeah. If only Tyler were here. Let me imitate Tyler. <laughs> Let me comb out my beard. Let me get right up next to this microphone with my comb. <laughs> I'm sitting here at my grandma's house. <laughs> you got to have this, the stuff in the background. <laughs> hey, let me, oh, Grandma, you cooking, you cooking me some... Uh, 
And for all you listeners, that was the most racist impersonation I've ever heard by Noah Philippiak. Peace, love, and chicken grease. And Jesus. <laughs>